This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. New content will be available every week throughout 2015. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. Psalm 13. Psalm 13. It's a short little psalm. Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Enlighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say they I have prevailed against him. Lest those who trouble me rejoice when I am moved. But I have trusted in your mercy. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. In this psalm, David is at the end of his tether. He's tied a knot on his rope and he's hanging on for dear life. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been at the end of your tether, not knowing what to do next or where to go or what to say? Samuel the prophet had long since, years ago, he had pronounced him king over Israel. But the rejected Saul was holding on to the throne. He still occupies the throne. So David, in a sense, has been crowned, but he has had not yet his coronation. He's a king in waiting, as it were. He's an exile. Saul has threatened and is absolutely determined to kill him. David is tired and weary. He's living in caves and dens. And he really can't take much more of this. He's physically tired. He's emotionally drained. He's spiritually spent. The title of my message this morning is Delays Are Not Denials. Even though you may be in a delay mode at the moment with God, it doesn't mean there is a denial. Now let me begin this morning just by saying something that seems a little bit contradictory. We're not very good with delays, but we're good at delaying. We're not very good at delays, but we're good at delaying. We're not very good when we're the ones facing the delays. Our flight is delayed. The scan results hasn't come through yet. That check that was supposed to be in the post is still not in the post. All these delays, the baby, its due date is passed already, and it still hasn't come. And so we're not good at delays, but we are good at delaying, aren't we? That hall and stairs that has to be painted Oh, I could wait a few more days. That old garden that needs to be done well, I mean, the, the weather's not so good, so we'll wait another month. 
We're not very good at these things, but we're really good at delaying. And uh, procrastination, well, we're experts at that, aren't we? Well, maybe not. Maybe some of you are really, really, really good. Maybe some of you has to be done yesterday. I mean, some of you, well, I think I've married one of them. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, it has to be done right now. That's it. It doesn't matter what. It has to be done. But most of us aren't like that. Most of us procrastinate. We, we put off what we can put off. What was the old thing? Procrastination is my sin. It brings me not but sorrow. I know that I should stop it. In fact, I will tomorrow. <laughs> Manana. And uh, so we're very, very good at that. However, when it comes to our spiritual lives, then delays become a big issue. Whenever we think that God has forgotten us and our prayers seemingly are going unanswered and our hope gets deferred and our fears get compounded, then we begin to feel like the psalmist here in Psalm 13. All of us, without exception, have faced delays. Times when the answer we wanted or expected just hasn't materialized. It may be a sickness that's been lingering. It may be a financial situation that has no sign of ending. It may be a family uh, situation that has been going on for years and after all of our prayers, there's still no breakthrough. But in those delays... We're being tested. And that's what I want you to see this morning. In those delays, we're being tested. But delays are not denials. God tests us. Our patience is being tested. David's patience was at breaking point. Years had passed, and instead of things getting better, they were actually getting worse. After the promise was given, and after his heart was lifted up and encouraged and strengthened, but that was years ago. Now here he is in caves and dens, being hounded and dogged by the king whose throne he should be occupying, and his patience is tested. Saul has no intention of giving up his throne. And worse still, God doesn't seem to be bothered about it one bit. That's what he's thinking. How long, O oh Lord? <laughs> Did you ever say that? <laughs> Maybe in your private thoughts. Maybe you never actually verbalize it, but in your thoughts. How long, Lord, will this continue? When our patience is tested, we're apt to make mistakes. We're apt to do things that sometimes are maybe a little bit out of character. King Saul, he's only two years into his reign. He's fighting the Philistines. He's having some success, but actually it has only aroused them to come against him on a greater scale. And in 1 Samuel 13, he's facing an enormous army of Philistines. Uh, the, he is totally outgunned, completely and utterly outnumbered. 
So much so, in fact, that his soldiers are running off and they're hiding in the rocks and in the thickets and in the holes and in the dens. They do not want to face this great army of the Philistines. And Saul is, is looking around him and he's frightened. He really, really feels, I'm going to be defeated here, that my life is on the line and my men are scattering and they're running everywhere. And then he remembers that two years before this, Samuel, the prophet, when he anointed him to be king, he told him, when you get to Gilgal, wait for me seven days. And so here we are, two years after that. By the way, Samuel also gave him three signs, prophetic signs that God anointed him to be king. And each of those prophetic signs just happened one after the other. And so he knew, he knew that he was anointed to be king. But Samuel said, now when you get to Gilgal, wait for me seven days. Now here's two years later, and he's right in the situation where it's really, really difficult. And he's, he just remembers I'm in Gilgal, and Samuel said, wait for me seven days in Gilgal. Uh, and, and that was good because when Samuel the prophet would come, he would prophesy, he would tell him what God was going to do or what he needed to do. His answer would be solved. He would get the answer to his problem if Samuel would come. So he waited seven days. But look what happens. Let me just read this a little bit here uh, from 1 Samuel 13. Then the verse 5, Then the Philistines gathered together to fight with Israel, 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen, and people as the sand which is on the seashore in multitude. And they came up and encamped in Michmash to the east of Beth-Avon. And when the men of Israel saw that they were in danger, for the people were distressed, then the people hid in caves and thickets and rocks and holes and in pits. And some of the Hebrews crossed over the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. And as for Saul, he was still in Gilgal, and all the people followed him trembling. Then he waited seven days according to the time set by Samuel, which is in 1 Samuel 10 that happened. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal. And the people were scattered from him. So Saul said, Bring a burnt offering and peace offerings here to me. And he offered the burnt offering. Now it happened as soon as he finished presenting the burnt offering that Samuel came and Saul went out to meet him that he might greet him. And Samuel said, What have you done? Saul said, when I saw that the people were scattered from me and that you did not come within the days appointed and that the Philistines gathered together at Michmash, then I said, the Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal and I have not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore, I felt compelled and offered a burnt offering. Now, Saul's problem was in his impatience, if he just had to wait another hour, maybe even another five minutes. But he was watching his clock. He was on the countdown. And as soon as he felt those seven days are up, bang, I got to do something. God's doing nothing. I got to do something. 
We often say, don't we, God helps those who help themselves. Do you know that's not in the Bible? That's not a scripture. Lots of people think that it is, but it isn't. And what did he do? He entreated into the priestly office, which he had no business doing. What have you done? Samuel said. Why could you not have waited another minute? And Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after God's own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. We could read on there, but we don't need to. Only two years into his reign as king, he was already showing signs of impatience and pride in that arrogant manner which was to be highlighted again and again in his ministry as king. We need to watch our impatience. I'm guilty of it, and you're guilty of it. Abram and Sarah, they were guilty of it also, weren't they? God had given them the promise that Sarah's biological clock is ticking, and it's ticking, and it's ticking, and it stopped ticking. And all that God has promised uh, seems to be there is no possible way this can happen. But delays are not denials. And you know that in their impatience, she said, well, go in unto my servant, my maidservant, Hagar, and she'll give you the son that's been promised. Well, she did give him a son, but not the son of promise, Ishmael. And Ishmael and Isaac, when he eventually came, there was enmity and tension between them and that family for the rest of their lives. And that enmity and that tension has continued even to this day in the Middle East between the Arab people, between the Ishmaelites and between the Israelites, the sons of Isaac and Jacob. And so our patience is tested during the delays. And our faith is tested during the delays. David had been promised by Samuel Samuel was a reliable prophet. He could be trusted. His word was genuine. And he did believe him at the time. But he's struggling now because years has passed and the word hasn't yet come true. And maybe some of you today are in that situation where there's been a delay from the promise to the fulfillment, from what God has said to where you are right now. And it's that testing of our faith. The Bible has a lot to say about our faith being tested. And it's good that our faith is tested. How are we ever going to know how genuine 
and real it is unless it's tested. You would not dare to go onto an airplane if the pilot had not been tested and had got his certificates and had passed his flying examinations. You'd be a fool to do it. We're tested in our driving. We're tested in so many areas. Why would God not test us to see if our faith is real? He knows whether it is or isn't, but we need to know whether it is or whether it isn't. And sometimes the delays are great. I remember in the very early days of this work, uh, we were tested to the nth degree, sometimes right to the day, to the last minute, particularly when it was mortgage time. When you're sitting with half a dozen people and you have a thousand pound then, that was 1979, when you have a thousand pound of a mortgage to get before you even pay your electric bill or your heating bill or your anything, and it comes down to the last day, <laughs> and you know you're going to have to go to the bank the next day, <laughs> and you get up that morning and there's nothing. <laughs> you are tested to the max. And then God comes through, sometimes right on the very day, God came through, and you got it. Sally and I sometimes talk about young pastors coming into ministry, and I, I say to her often, I would not like anyone to go through what we went through. However, in saying that, it builds something into you where you just do not quit but your faith is tested continually our temperament is tested in the delays our temperament do we become resentful angry critical sullen sad complaining moaning how's our temperament do we become moody? Our attitude towards others, and especially towards God, because we can end up with a real attitude towards God, which we take out on others. Do you ever have an attitude towards God? Do you ever get the feeling God has forgotten about you? Does He really care? Does He really know the situation I'm facing right now? And we can get an attitude. Our temperament is tested. Notice in the first three verses that David asked the same question over and over and over again. Four times, in fact. How long, O Lord? How long, O Lord? How long, O Lord? How long, O Lord? Four times he says that. So you can see what is the big issue with him. God, where are you? I'm waiting. I'm praying. I'm seeking your face. I'm looking towards you, but where are you? I can't sense you. I can't feel you. I can't see you. Where are you? How long, O oh Lord? Everything seems to drag on when there doesn't seem to be a resolution. Have you noticed that? We say time flies when you're enjoying ourselves, but whenever you're miserable, it lasts an eternity, doesn't it? Hmm? A week on a diet is not the same as a week in Florida. Sure it's not. <laughs> 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 
When you go on that jolly diet, <laughs> I mean, it just the whole day just seems to drag, doesn't it? <laughs> Somebody said, I, I spent a week in Ballycastle one day. <laughs> There's no disrespect to Ballycastle, but there's not a lot to do in it, is there? Apart from walking along the beach. And so our temperament is tested. How long, O Lord? Verse 1, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? Well, no answer seems to be on the horizon. Never assume that God has forgotten you. Did you hear me? Well, no answer is on your horizon. Do not assume that God has forgotten you. Just because we can't see the bigger picture doesn't mean that God can't. In Isaiah 49, verses 14 to 16, But Zion said, The Lord has forgotten me, and my Lord Sorry, the Lord has forsaken me, and my Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child and have not compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Delays are not denials. God has not forgotten. Isn't that what we sang there just a few moments ago during our worship? You have not forgotten me. And it's easy singing that in the moment, isn't it? You know, whenever your emotions are higher and you're, you're in the midst of the worship, it's easy singing those words, but when you go home and there's still no answer and you're still hurting and that family situation is still not worked out, and the check still hasn't come through the post, and the scans result are still not with the doctor yet. It's easy in here, but what's it like out there? How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? Jesus, in Mark 14, is in the Garden of Gethsemane, He's facing the biggest, biggest battle in his life. It's so intense that when he's praying, he's sweating, as it were, great drops of blood. His disciples are over there. He's a stone throw from them, it says. His disciples are over there, and they're sleeping. And he goes over, and he says, Could you not watch with me even one hour? Do you not see what I'm going through here? Do you understand the pain and the anguish and the tension that I'm facing right now? And then he goes back again and he prays the second time. Same prayer. Then he goes back to the disciples and they've fallen asleep again. He must have shook his head and thought. <laughs> and here he is all alone. His three closest companions on earth were sleeping when they needed to be awake and praying for him. And he prays again the third time the same prayer. 
but always with the same resignation. Father, is it possible for this cup to pass from me? Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. So if you've been praying the same prayer for many times, don't despair and don't get discouraged. Even Jesus did that. That encourages me. The Lord in his humanity prayed the same prayer three times. He was wrestling. Then verse 1 again, How long will you hide your face from me? It's one thing to feel that God has forgotten you. It's quite another thing to feel that he's forsaken you. And there's a difference. You really, really can get into despair if you feel that God has not just forgotten you, but he's forsaken you. How long will you hide your face from me? In other words, God, you've forsaken me. I'm abandoned. God has abandoned me. This is why I love the Psalms, because they're so real. <laughs> the psalmist is saying things that we wouldn't even say to anybody else. Sure we wouldn't. Unless you had a really close confidant that could hold your secrets. Few of us would ever go to somebody and say, do you know what? I really feel God's abandoned me. <laughs> I really feel I'm forsaken by God. Not he's just forgotten about me. He's forsaken me. And this is how David feels. But Jesus felt that too, didn't he? On the cross. Out of those seven sayings on the cross, the most poignant, the most heartbreaking, the most moving, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My disciples has run and fled, even denied me, betrayed me, but they're just human beings. But God, why have you forsaken me? I don't think we'll ever plumb the depths of that statement. But God has not forsaken us. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end. Delays are not denials. So I don't know where you are this morning. Maybe you're not as deep into the pit as David was, but maybe... You're in some kind of a hole, emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually. And maybe in your worst moments, maybe some of these thoughts start to occupy your mind. Verse 2, how long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? Now, I looked this verse up in the NIV, 
and the Holman Christian Standard Bible, and just slightly, just slightly different. The NIV says, How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? Day after day have sorrow in my heart. How long will my enemy have the upper hand? The Holman Christian Standard Bible, How long will I store up anxious concerns within me? Agony in my mind every day. How long will my enemy dominate me? Delays cause us to wrestle with our thoughts. Delays make us anxious. Unless you're superhuman, and I'm certainly not, and I don't like delays any more than you do. But I know from experience they cause us to wrestle with our thoughts and they can make us anxious. God gives us promises but he's not obligated to give us explanations. And it's explanations we want, isn't it? When the promise doesn't seem to be forthcoming, we want an explanation. Why God? What's happening? I need to know. <laughs> His delays for us. Now listen to this. His delays for us are temporary but his plans for us are eternal. <laughs> his delays for us are temporary, but his plans for us are eternal. Amen. Delays are not denials. It's only temporary. It will come to an end. This also shall pass. Glory to God. And God's eternal plan will be fulfilled for our lives. Hmm. He's the author and finisher of our faith, isn't he? Yeah. He's the Alpha and the Omega of our lives. And so while David waited on his coronation, God was working on his character. And right there is one of the reasons for God's delays in our lives, because he's working on our character. He's letting us see what we're made of. He's letting us see our weaknesses. He's letting us see our soft spots so we could work on them. If God would just give us everything instantly, it'd be wonderful, wouldn't it? But it's better that he delays sometimes because that tests our patience, our faith, and our temperament, and our attitudes. And so while he waited on his coronation, God was working on his character. Verse 3, Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Enlighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. And no matter how done he is, no matter how tired and weary he is, notice he still cries out, my Lord and my God. <laughs> so even though today you may be in a position where you don't see any answer and you don't feel any better and you wonder how long this is going to be, but you're here today. You're still crying out, my Lord and my God. 
even if you feel that God has forsaken you and God has forgotten you, you haven't forgotten him and you haven't forsaken him. Because you're here. And you're still praying. And you're still seeking God. Job cried out, Though God slay me, yet I will trust him. I shall then come forth as gold. <laughs> Remember the three Hebrew boys in the fiery furnace? The king said, What God is able to deliver you out of my hand? And if I may paraphrase, the three Hebrew boys says, O king, <laughs> our God, God that we serve, he is able to deliver us out of your hand. But if not, we will still not bow down to your golden image. <laughs> what an attitude. Oh, Lord, my God, enlighten my eyes. Some translations say, lighten my eyes. Some say, enlighten my eyes. Some say, brighten my eyes. Put the sparkle back. And that may be so. Because often when you're feeling down and empty and dull and weary and tired, you lose the sparkle in your eyes, don't you? So the eyes are the window of the soul. But I prefer enlighten. God had given his word. God had given him a promise through the prophet. And now David is aligning himself with the word, with the promise. And the secret of coming through what you're coming through is aligning yourself with the word, with the promises of God. Because that's the only thing that will be solid and real that you can hang on to. Particularly when your emotions and your mindset is all over the place. You need to have your eyes enlightened to the word of God. Peter says, we have a more sure word of prophecy. Psalm 119, verse 18. Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things out of your law. Verse 105. Your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Verse 130. The entrance of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Ephesians 1.18, Paul prays for the Ephesian believers that the eyes of your understanding may be opened. Enlightenment. When you're going through it, read the word. Look at the promises. Enlighten your eyes to the word of God because that will be the only thing that will keep you going. And so David is remembering. He's thinking now. Often in David's Psalms, you'll find this. He starts out very negative. He ends up positive. He starts out, he's, <laughs> he's very gloomy. And he ends up, he's very glad. Verse 4, Lest my enemies say I have prevailed against him, lest those who trouble me rejoice when I am moved. But David wasn't moved. 
his enemy didn't get to rejoice over him. Delays are not denials. The Apostle Paul, in Ephesians 20, 22, when he's speaking to the Ephesian elders before he leaves them, he said, And see, now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But, there's a big but, but none of these things move me. <laughs> Nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of grace, but none of these things move me. <laughs> and David, in the end, was not moved, and his enemy did not get to rejoice over him. <coughs> Verse 5 and 6, we're almost finished. Notice the tone, notice the change of tone in David at the end of this psalm. The New Living Translation of verse 5 says, But I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. Verse 6, the New King James, I will sing unto the Lord, for he has dealt bountifully with me. Now notice David here is speaking in the past tense. You have rescued me. You have dealt bountifully with me. His circumstances hasn't changed one iota. Saul is still out to kill him. He's still in exile. Nothing has changed in the natural. What has changed is on the inside of him. That's what's changed. His attitude has changed. And it's as if he's already rescued. You have rescued me. <laughs> He remembers the promises. He remembers the word he was given. And it's as good as done. He hasn't seen it in the natural. There's nothing there that he can put his hand on and say there is. But God, your word is true. I believe your promises. Delays are not denials. You have rescued me. Glory to God. Amen. His faith has risen again. I will trust in your unfailing love. <laughs> Huh. isn't to be able to be good to speak like that when your circumstances hasn't changed it's easy when they change when your circumstances change and you get the answer and you're through the other side then you can sing and dance and praise God as much as you like that's wonderful but it's even better if you can do it before that happens it's even better if you can do it before that happens and that's what David is doing right at the end of that short psalm. Delays are not denials. So have you been delayed? Does it seem like God's denying you? Never assume that he's forgotten you. Do not assume that he's left and forsaken you. He hasn't. He's closer than the very breath in your body. You may not feel that, you may be at a low ebb spiritually right now. You may be struggling physically and emotionally and financially and all those things that are happening in life. You may be going through all of those and more that I've mentioned. 
that God is still on his throne and he's still going to come through for you and you will get your answer and you will break through this but maybe you need to start rejoicing before it happens maybe you need to start saying Lord I thank you I thank you Lord that you have rescued me I thank you, Lord, that that promise you gave me is as real and as true today as it ever has been, even though I can't see it happening. But I believe that it is to the glory of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, we thank you today for who you are. You are the great, almighty God. And nothing is impossible to you. And Lord, some of us are here today and we're struggling. And Lord, emotionally we're down. Mentally, Lord, our, our thoughts, Lord, are negative and fearful. Spiritually, we feel low. We've lost that spark. But Lord, your word remains true. Your promise is just as real. And you will not deny us. And so we give you thanks for this. We're going to trust you all the more. We're going to believe in you all the more. In spite of what we're feeling. God, you will not deny us. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can also watch the Sermon of the Month video at youtube.com forward slash Moira Pentecostal or download the sermon video through our iTunes video podcast. For more information, visit us at www.mpc.org.uk.